Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Green Mountain Dental Group. We've had several DNVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years and make them their permanent family dentist. Those listeners have personally reached out and let us know how great their experience was and have thanked us for leading them to such a wonderful practice. There's honestly nothing more rewarding than hearing that from our listeners, so please tell us about your experience if you made the switch. If you don't know Green Mountain Dental Group is in Lakewood, and they're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, as well as extreme Colorado sports fans just like us. So head on over to Green Mountain Dental Group today and schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam to get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts. I'm your host, Rudo, joined by AJ Hayfley. Um, check out Mountain Dew Thrashed Apple if you want to giggle like AJ does. <laughs> it's, it was quite an adventure before the show. Oh my god! Um, uh, so that's a positive note. On a a more of a down note, unfortunately, Abs broadcaster Peter McNabb diagnosed with cancer today. Uh, it sounds like it's pretty. They caught it pretty early, so see things don't seem too bad. But you know definitely send best witches McNabb's way on this one. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people have their complaints about Peter on the air and I just have to, whatever, however you feel is however you feel, but behind the scenes, that is a great dude. Yep. And, uh, the, uh, the announcement today, really, it really sucked. And, I'm hoping I, that he's going to continue working is super encouraging uh, and that we're going to continue seeing him around the rink. Uh, but love that dude. He's awesome. And you're not going to you're you're, you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody that loves hockey the way that he does. Yep. And just a like the ultimate girl dad. So, yeah, he's he's just such an awesome dude. And. Wishing the best for for him and his family today on a day with some really shitty news. Yep, never never fun news to to hear, but hopefully everything works out for the best there. Uh, Peter's been with the Avs since the beginning, basically, so he's always been a broadcaster here and is part of the the Avalanche community in that way. So hope to see him still doing his thing indefinitely. Absolutely. Um, on today's show, we're going to be getting into the positional battle in the abs forward depth. It's all been theoretical up until this point, but 
things are actually starting to happen now. Game one of pre, excuse me, game one of preseason done. Uh, Shane Bowers probably moved himself up that list a little bit, and a a handful of other conversations to to dive into. In look, a lot of people have something to prove on this roster or training camp list or whatever you want to call it right now to try and earn spots. Yeah, and. You know, we we talked. Mikhail Maltsev was going to be a guy who's going to get a good and an early look. Um, Artem Anisimov is obviously in this conversation. Uh, Martin Kaut, just given where he was in camp and then the camp that he had, yeah, is certainly part of this. Sample Ranta has pushed his way into the conversation. Yep, and just given their history, we've always just assumed that Jason Magna and Dylan Sakura would be somewhere um, in the mix. Are, yeah. Yeah. Somewhere part of this. Uh, I I would include Stefan Mateau and Andreas Wingerly just to be thorough and Kiefer Sherwood, who yep. I keep forgetting is still here. Yeah. Played and looked solid mm-hmm. last year as a depth option for the Avs. So it's yeah, not, you can't totally just count that. For sure. And like, I would say that Sherwood is probably higher up than like Wingerly and Mateau. Yeah. Um, just familiarity wise that that gives him right. a little bit of an advantage Look, but... we've seen Bednar go to the well multiple times on guys like Sheldon Dries once they've looked good in the yeah. NHL with the team so don't be surprised if you see Sherwood at some point this year <clears throat> and it was with the guy like Dries it was interesting because it was like every time that you thought they were done like Jared There'd Bednar be another one <laughs> yeah would have his notebook style I just can't quit you kind of moment <laughs> you know in the rain like welcoming him back to the avalanche facility from loveland he's standing outside (laughs) and flexing in the rain though i mean he's let's be real (laughs) he's always flexing now because he's just jacked that's he's just so ripped that yeah standing in the rain in his skin tight shirt and his muscles are just bulging exactly he's just always he's always (laughs) flexing Okay. The, the same way that The Rock is always smoldering in uh, the Jumanji movies. Yep. Yep. All right. So, yeah. So there's a lot of options, realistically. Some of those are in contention for a roster spot in the more immediate than others, though. Uh, like you mentioned, realistically, when you look at the winger, he's probably the Matos of the world. Will they get games? Yeah, there's a decent chance they will. Will totally. it be before injuries pretty unlikely <clears throat> that's and that's where i think this conversation is kind of amusing because it's like you could we felt like the 12 were probably pretty locked in i would say now it's 11 pretty yeah. locked in just how yeah. things have gone so far yep with really only that spot that we had with maltsev mm-hmm. um being the one where we're open to somebody else taking it but of course we're one preseason game in yeah and there are five to go uh so obviously this will not be the last time this conversation gets had yes there will be more clarity over the next week and a half or so i think and i just think you know with with the way that like i i expressed that i didn't love what bowers did last night but he did a lot of good things 
and it was it was when you start to go back when you get away from the game and you look at it the next day yeah. you start to think there's a lot of good things that happened there they they weren't maybe big things but a lot of good things and you know like screening the goalie and a yeah, nice yeah. defensive play here and a nice back check there like things classic that... bowers right like Things Master that scream effective fourth line player, right? Yeah, and and like high IQ guy, high IQ, high effort guy. Great combination, great yep. combination. <clears throat> um, and so like with Bowers, it's like okay, well, Bednar talked him up after the game, and then uh, during talked his media day, today, today, yeah, yeah. I, once again, Shane Bowers, he looks a lot better. He looks more much improved. He looks like a guy. Hey, and. Look, this isn't the first time he's like Shane Bowers in a preseason. Yeah, true, true. But it is, I would say, the first time that Colorado's depth has felt this wide open. Yeah, uh, this this uh... undecided, unclear. Yeah, undecided is a, is the word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because while while you can look at the eleven guys and say those guys eleven guys are going to be somewhere in there, totally. You also know that these some of these guys are going to get hurt. Some yep. of these guys are going to underperform. You know, look if Logan O'Connor gets forty games into the season and has, has two, two points, points yeah. yeah, he's got to sit at some to, point. Yep. Yeah, like you'll have to start looking elsewhere for another option. And then maybe that, that three-year extension starts to look a little different, but not really because you can just bury the money. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, that's that's where I think you know Bowers, and since Bowers played last night, no Kout, no Maltsev, um, no Ranta, Bowers and and Megna and Anisimov, all those guys got into the lineup last night, so they got first crack and. I would say of those three, it was probably Bowers, Magna, then Anisimov. It, you don't want to say it's over until Anisimov is officially cut, but it's really hard to see how he finds his way to a, a roster spot, let alone even like a, a 14th forward call-up type of situation. Yeah. Uh, so is he officially out of the mix? No. Is it looking like he's particularly relevant also no yeah and it's always tough like every year there is a we watch the games and we say oh, okay well just based on how they're playing and we like this or we like that and we think this or that and there's always one where we're just like there's always one decision where we're it like oh, doesn't okay, add dude. up in our heads yeah yeah that's that certainly leaves us um scratching our just head. on a different yeah. on a different page like sure. of, of a differing opinion is how i yep. would like to put that um but i am i am curious because you look at the lineup last night how many of these guys did not get shot i mean sakura wingerly yeah uh ranta kout sherwood a whole lot of dudes to look at in game two and three yeah right? maltsev mato i mean even there's the the uncertainty around Alex Newhook's role. It's kind of the he the, still could end up as a fourth line guy, depending yeah. on how things shake out. It's like the lurking storyline here that we aren't really giving a ton of time yet. Yep. But 
like if New Hook, if if New Hook does not have a good preseason, okay, and plays his way down the lineup, I I mean if you if you have him as a four C or you can put him in the AHL with the Eagles to be on their top line and to do all those things. Cause we know that they will actually use him that way. Yeah. But, Cause it's always every year. It's always like, Oh, well, he can go to the Eagles and just play 20 minutes a night. And, and that doesn't, that's not what happens the vast majority of the time. Sure. They go to the Eagles and they end up in a middle six role. And you're just like, what's going on here. Um, but with new hook, he actually would be a top line guy uh, would get a ton of minutes. Uh, yeah. Would you would you would you prefer that or would you prefer nope. him as as you like your four C? I, I would prefer him as four C without a doubt. There is no for a player that looks ready for the NHL. There is no replacement for playing against NHL competition. I truly okay. believe that he needs to get experience in the NHL to improve in the NHL. How long? I mean, let's say let's say we're two months into the season though, and he's not pushing for a bigger role and he's still 4c do you feel the same way i mean what is his role as 4c is he a 4c that's playing 11 12 minutes a night is he finding time on special teams or is he let's 4C assume that's playing six minutes a night and doing let's nothing? just assume because helm and o'connor are probably with him that it's not the six minutes a night gabriel right. borks van androgetto fourth line and it's 10 minutes a night i i think i'm still okay with that to be honest with you i particularly this year, again, you have this very unique situation this year where you can run him as your 4C for the first half, two-thirds of the season, and then you can give him a month in the AHL in February. Do you think they should give him a month of AHL action in February pretty much no matter what? I certainly think they should give him games. You know, okay. it, you have to assess the situation if he's killing it in the NHL. And remember, Newhook is an NCAA guy. This is a guy who could probably benefit from a little bit of time off in a full 82 game season. True. So you kind of have to assess when you get there uh, how <clears throat> what his energy level is at, how how much he can take as far as games played. Uh, if he's if he's struggling, just do it right. And you just put him in the AHL get him some games down there, get his confidence back. Cause we know he can succeed in that league, but with, with the NHL being what it is this year and having the break, if he's crushing in the NHL and he doesn't want to go, you don't have to do it. Okay. I'm good with that. So the, and, and again, this is a very much a bridge that they're going to have to cross when they get there, because New hook could start anywhere from two left wing to four C and mm -hmm. anywhere in between. Like he could be on the third line on the wing or at center. He could be on the mm -hmm. fourth line on the wing or at center. So that particularly new hook is, is very, very fluid in where he's going to land in the lineup. I tend to think it'll be higher, but we don't know yet. So, okay. We'll see with that one. And and some of that may depend on, on who earns jobs deeper in the lineup and how New Hook fits in. You mean like a like a just a Bowers or a Maltzab versus Right. Cout who doesn't play center? Exactly. Okay. So that could affect it as well. 
We'll get more into probably the malts of Kaut situation here in a little bit. But first, we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can get eight different kinds on tap down at the DNVR bar or check out your local liquor store to get a bunch of Breck Brew or their good company hard seltzer near you. Check them out today. Highly recommend. And then go hit up DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. If you bet $1 on any week for football game with a new account using code DNVR, you can get $150 in free bets instantly. You don't even have to win the bet. You don't even have to wait for the bet to pay out. You just make the $1 bet with your new account and they give you 150 bucks in free bets. You do have to use the DNVR code on a new account, though, to do it, so make sure you get that. And then you can go bet on crazy, crazy stuff like I like to do. All sorts of nonsense you're capable of betting on. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can you can make it up as you go. I won, uh, I won my first cricket bet the other day, so... We're we're expanding the we're expanding the book here a little bit, winning winning money all over the place. Uh, hit up DraftKings Sportsbook today again. Please use that DNVR code when you're signing up for a new account to let them know we sent you over there and get that $150 in free bets. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. DraftKings is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522 for 700 when you win a ton of money from DraftKings, consider signing up for a dnvr membership because now is a great time if you're part of the abs beat never a better time to get in on the action with us we have a bunch of awesome content coming up leading to the season then of course you know we have you covered with crazy amounts of content all season long as well super hyped for the watch alongs we're going to be doing check us out or at least me out opening night I know a lot of people, especially out of town, have been asking for those. We're bringing them to you. You can watch along the game with me. So get hyped for that. Sign up for a membership. Get a free shirt. Get access to the DNVR Lounge. Get big beers at the bar. All sorts of awesome stuff there. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by that DraftKings Sportsbook. AJ, does Maltsev still have the inside line? to the 12th forward spot, I guess we'll call it the 12th forward spot. I think, I, I, I think so. Yeah. Just because that's, I think that's what they wanted to see. And it would be really hard for me to believe the two training camp practices would send him out of that spot. Yeah. And so I think it's his to lose, but it's certainly not like an iron grip. Um, I do have like, I, I think I'd, I will say that I have a hard time envisioning Maltsev like starting in Loveland. Yeah, though, like I I could see them not necessarily thirteenth forward or something maybe. Yeah, yeah, that I think I could see a lot more likely than them just being like, okay, we're removing him entirely and we'll just see how he does with the Eagles. Yep, it's it's uh it's really hard to see them sending a guy they actively targeted in a trade down to the HL unless he totally bombs in the preseason game that he gets or something. Yeah. So, so I still, I, I would say, yeah, I think Maltsev is there, but I do think that the pressure has been ratcheted up on Maltsev to prove it. Yeah. Because there is a lot of competition behind him pushing. I mean, he has to know, he has to look around and see, okay, I'm the new guy. They don't know me as well. <laughs> I mean, even you look at like Megna has been here. You know, yeah. like um, 
there's a lot of familiarity with the guys that he's competing with. Sure. That just about, <clears throat> you know, the the only guy that hasn't really been in the system long term that's really competing for a potential roster spot is Helm, and his is pretty much locked in. You would think, given the veteran status. Yeah, I'm not worried about Helm at all. Um, I know somebody tweeted at me during the game last night that like, is there a chance that Helm sits? Opening night, and it's like mm. no way. Twenty games into the season, maybe that's a different. Yeah, story, but... like he would have to play his way out of that. You went and he signed a free agent deal in the first couple of days of free agency. Like he chose to come to Colorado. Yeah. The Avs chose to pursue him. They wanted they wanted that player for that. And to be honest with you, he's a really good fit for what they need there. Yeah, I agree. And he can he he judge... fits into the style of the Avs like, perfectly. But we all I I would say that. We agreed last night Helm didn't look like he was any good, but he's 34 years old. In a preseason game one. In the in the first preseason game. Like, that. This is very much warm-up city for him. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is just don't get hurt. Yep. You know, do do some nice things. It's not, it's not that he geared it down to 20% or whatever. Just don't judge that. Even if, even if he doesn't have a single good preseason game. Even if it's preseason game number six, it doesn't matter. Yep. That guy has been a good NHL player for 10 years. Yeah. It, in the I, role that in the role that he's going to play. It's not, it's not like he was, you know, Anisimov. Like that guy, the, the problem and the problem with I think Anisimov in this conversation is that he's being asked to transition into a role that's unfamiliar to him. Sure. He's gonna be a much more limited role player. Um, in in Colorado, if he were to get a contract, he would be a much more limited guy than a guy like Helm, who's been doing this his entire career. You know, he might have had a time where he moonlighted on a second line or played on a third line more consistently, but he's been a role player forever. Yep. And it's really easy for him to slide in and just be like, okay, I'm walking in on day one. I know what's being asked of me. I need to kill penalties. I need to be... He's been playing this role for half a decade. Yeah, I need to be a pain in the ass, and I need to skate real fast. Okay, great. These are all things that he knows how to do. Uh, Anisimov, part of his struggles, I think, is that he would have to adjust to being a guy that plays 12 shifts per game. And this is the same conversation that we've had with a guy like Maltsev. You have to understand that you have to go all out in those 12 shifts, and you're not getting 20 of them. Uh, that you've got to put, you've got to put it all on the line, and those, those, the ones that you do get, you might only get three shifts in a period. You've got to go hard in all three of them, and at least, at least, give yourself a chance. You know, at least put yourself in position out there to to be a different, uh, a different kind of player. You know, a, a, well, and, a guy that makes an impact. And you can't drift and like. Would, and when you look at these through. lineups, despite the fluidity, fluidity of the M's bottom six, Maltsev compared to New Jersey doesn't have as much lateral movement in this lineup, right? I guess vertical movement, really. Uh, you know, a, a weak forward core like New Jersey or a young forward core like New Jersey, maybe there's more opportunities where he can see himself working his way up the lineup. It's really hard to see Maltsev getting beyond the third line and let alone the fourth line with this team because the abs are going to give opportunities to 
JT Compers. They're going to mm-hmm. give opportunities to Tyson Josts. Yeah. Guys that have been here and guys that have proven it in this organization. In this league. Yep. You know, like JT Comper needs a bounce back season, no doubt. But that's a guy that there's real expectations for. You know, it, it would be really hard for any of these guys that we're having conversations about. Ranta, Cout. Bowers, Maltsev, and Nisimov. It would be hard for any of those guys to take a JT Confer's job. Yeah, I, I mean, Maltsev's a great example. Maltsev had nine points in 33 games last year. Yeah, perfectly his, acceptable production in a, yeah, for a role player. But for as bad as Confer was last year, even if you take away the hat trick in the last night, he still had 15 points in 47 games, outpacing Maltsev's production there. Yeah. So, and what like we all would consider was like a disaster. Yep, of a season for Comper. Right. I mean, he so. outsc- He ended up outscoring Tyson Jost on the season. Comper's worst offensive production of his career is still better than a lot of these dudes' production. Yeah, and it's it's not it's so strange like the perception, right? Just because you, I mean, he is a he's a guy who's he's never played seventy games in a season. Yep. But he's had two 30-point seasons, and he had a 16-goal year. And it wasn't wasn't hard. He had 16 goals in 66 games. And it would not be difficult for you to look around and be like, that guy puts up 20 for you in, in, like, a, in, in like a year where just things work for if him. If he plays an 82-game season, he could <clears> threaten <throat> to be a 2020 guy. Yeah, I mean, his that year he scored 16. He had 16 assists. In six again in sixty six games, and then you look at his postseason career: three points in six games, six points in twelve games, eight points in fifteen games, and then two points in ten games. What's the common thread here? Last year was a disaster. Yeah. He Besides wasn't any good last steady year. production, even in the playoffs. Yeah, like he gets, he got like rightfully the fan base was upset with his play last year, and oh. I, the coaching step he played on the fourth line for a sizable chunk of the season. Yep. It was obvious. Like it there was real there was a real problem with his play last year. And everybody would agree he's got to be better than that. He just has to be. Now, we've seen what he's not in his career. He's not a play driver. He's no, not a guy he, that he, he cannot, cannot be the dude that carries the mail for you. He and he can't be the best player. He can't be your most talented player on a line. He's a complimentary yep. player. Yep. But you see him, you know, as a as a PK guy, he's been overrated and overused by the Avs coaching staff. Mm-hmm. But defensively, his shot suppression and at even strength in his career has been phenomenal. Even if that means that you give up a little bit of offensive production. Yeah, offensive tilt of the ice, you're not giving anything up. There's a lot of comfort for a coach in that. So about it. There's, there's, you know, with comfort, that's a, that is a dude who you should have a lot. There should be a lot more confidence in his ability than there just, than there has been. Mm-hmm. And I understand that like every year the fan base has like their whipping boy or whatever. Yeah. I don't love that term, but yes, um, that kind of sentiment. Um, It's just, it's, it's, he had a bad year last year. And he outscored Tyson Jost, too. And everybody loved what Tyson Jost did last year. Okay. So it's like those guys, those guys are cemented for a reason. It's not like those are bad players that the coaching staff refuses to give up on. They aren't. 
They're guys who have proven things. They've also worked their asses off under this coaching staff to, to prove themselves and to fit into different roles. Same thing with a guy like Val Nichushkin. There's a lot of proof in the pudding there. There's a lot of earned trust there. These guys, these guys that are coming in that are trying to fight for spots, we're, we're predominantly talking about them as guys who are going to be involved in the pileup of, of bodies fighting for injury yep. call-up time. Yep. Outside of that 4C job, which is certainly in question with with Maltsev and and the gang it's too bad we need we need a always sunny like poster and just replace all their heads with these random dudes it's like Maltsev <laughs> and the gang uh of the these guys that battles for the fourth line yeah exactly exactly <laughs> uh all these dudes that are going to be fighting for these jobs so I'm it's 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 fun because you love a good training camp battle. You do. All right. Well, if you want to stand out in a pile of bodies, the best way to get some action at an orgy is to have some manicured balls. <laughs> My man! <laughs> Excuse that was so me. good. Was that really loud? You just said that out loud. Live. Oh, that's my guy right there. We got him, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back to the Ab Show. That's how I feel with that one. Yep. You're back. <laughs> You're not officially back until the Manscaped reads hit. Get 20% off at manscaped.com with code DNVR and get free shipping for the perfect package 4.0. They have all the tools you need to take care of yourself below the belt and above the belt, whether it be face shavers, shave mats, the lawnmower 4.0, you name it, they got you covered all over the place. Again, head to Manscaped, use the DNVR code, get 20% off for all of your body shaping needs. You can also hit up Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD-infused coffee that has really changed lives. They help with many different aches and pains like migraines, IBS, joint pain, ton of other stuff as well. And it comes in a coffee form, so it can just be like your normal routine. Have it for your morning drink and then go about your day with less pain. They're awesome. Been with us for a very long time. So check them out. Get 25% off your first purchase with them when you use code DNVR25. You can also get a cold brew down at the DNVR bar if you're coming to visit to watch a hockey game or any other sporting event. It's the place to be. Come to the bar. Come watch sports. Doesn't even have to be Denver sports. It's a place that, especially this season, we're planning on uh, hanging out quite a bit to just consume Lots and lots of hockey in our case. Maybe some, uh, maybe some F one as well as as AJ's hat indicates. But should be a fun time at the bar every day, basically. Definitely. <laughs> looking forward to uh, looking forward to spending a lot of time there and and consuming copious amount of sports. After that, though, go get Chevalier Mortgage. They've been in the business here in Colorado for over fifteen years. Both Mike and Virginia have experience all over the state and Mike is a certified financial planner. So they will hook you up, not just with a great home loan and a great rate, but one that fits your financial picture specifically, not just a standard, you know, everyone gets this type of thing. It's not like that. They got you hooked up. You can visit them at dnvrmortgage.com to get a free consultation and sign up for a chance to win some free DNVR merch. So check them out again, dnvrmortgage.com, or you can call Virginia directly at 
a number that I definitely know by heart and don't have to look up at all. Uh, 303-257-6578. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier 1910631. All right. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by that DraftKings Sportsbook. AJ, we've beat around the bush on this guy for a while. What does Martin Kaut have to do to, I don't want to say an opening night roster spot because I don't know how realistic that is, but what does he have to do to get a legitimate opportunity in the NHL this year? I feel like you have framed that question with a big assumption that he didn't get one last year. I wouldn't say that. I would say you can, if you want to throw the word again in there, I think that's fair. But what is it going to take for him to have a chance to earn an NHL job? That's all. That's all I want to know, because (laughs) you can say he had a chance last year if you wanted, and this would be a second chance if you want to, however you want to frame it, go for it. Okay. I just, I disagree with the idea that he didn't get a chance last year. And that's fine. But can Um, he, can he earn another chance this year then? Absolutely. And the fact that the fact that he's been given the look that he has look, some of this is uh, and and I say some of this, but a lot of this, this isn't a coaching staff that's all evil and is out to get these guys. (laughs) They're trying to win and they're trying to find the guys who present the best options that they believe to win on any given night. And a really big part of that in the NHL is knowing what the floor of a player is going to give you. Yeah, And last year, what we saw from Martin Kaut was very quiet games. And you can absolutely point out his ice time and be like, dude, what? But he wasn't good in those games. He just wasn't. And that's, it's hard when you have that kind of experience because you know, what have you done for me lately dominates yep. our mindsets in most aspects of life. So the nine games that he played two years ago, a lifetime Feel ago. like a decade, yeah. A lifetime ago. But those nine games, you also, like, you look at him, and, hey, he was good. Six of those games, he was a quality player for you. Three of those games, he disappeared. Yep. But they were good enough that they said, we want to keep the CLC. This is important. I'm assuming dog cam is on the way. Um, I am. Uh, I think, I think Cout's going to get, I think he right now, what does he need in order to get an opportunity? I think he's getting it. I think he's getting the opportunity this preseason to show that he deserves opportunity ahead of those guys. And I think that's, you know, so is that, so presumably he's going to play tomorrow night. If not, certainly game three, he'll play. Uh, we'll get in eventually. Yeah. How important is this first preseason game, whichever one it ends up being for him? It's important. I mean, if Shane Bowers had a tough night last night, we would probably be writing him off completely because we think he's that low on the totem pole, Yeah, but he had a good night. And so that puts pressure on everybody else to have good nights as well. And so he needs he needs to show well. He needs to have 
a noticeable game. He can't have a quiet game. Now, the one area where Shane Bowers had a big advantage was relative to his peers, you know, Bowers Bowers was one of the more interesting guys to keep an eye on. Right? For sure. Like you look at the roster last night. Chances aren't great that they're going to run a roster that bereft of solidified NHL talent again this preseason. Well, and to your point as my camera is failing. Uh to your to your point with Cout, Bowers has absolutely not had an opportunity to prove himself in the NHL yet. Yeah, Bowers hasn't played a second in the NHL. Yep. Uh, the piece that I wrote about him in Arizona, <laughs> the piece that I wrote about him in Arizona, he talked about it. He said, what drives me is I haven't made it. <laughs> I haven't made it there. And when I get there, I don't want to let that chance slip. You can look at a guy like Cout and say, maybe he's let it slip a little bit. Now is five games an extended opportunity. No, not really. No, come on. Of course not especially five games with very limited ice time. Absolutely not. You can't make that argument at all, but you have to, that's, that's the key though. Like why is, why is Logan O'Connor considered such a lock by us? Why did Logan O'Connor just get a three year extension? Because he's unbelievably consistent in his fourth line role in the NHL. (laughs) Because he's comfortable in his own skin. He understands what's being asked of him and he does it every day. That's what my, and look, he's several years older than some of these guys. Sure. You know, he went through three years at, at DU and never got drafted and had to, had to work his way up the hard way. Yep. You know, he, he had to go to a, he had to go to a development camp and earn a contract and stand out in the hardest way. And then he got to the, he got to the AHL and thrived. Yeah. It, I mean, it was just. Well, to your original point, right? He got into the AHL, he succeeded. And when he got into the NHL, he immediately gave Jared Bednar a hard floor to his hockey game to where you knew what you were going to get out of him at minimum every single night. Just a, just an understanding of how to be, how to be a pro, how to, uh, how to approach the game. Uh, There was a maturity there. And that's not to say that Martin Cout is immature, because that's not what I'm saying. Just that there's a professional approach. There's an understanding of how to be. We all go through it in life. Right? I mean, we all have a better understanding when we all entered into the workforce and we all were in our first jobs and developing in our jobs. And I mean, look at look at the go back and listen to me on the first podcasts that we ever did on this network. Go back a thousand episodes ago. You think you think I haven't improved at all in a thousand episodes? Yeah, I would like to. I would certainly like to believe that I have. You you understand what you're doing a lot better every day. You have a better approach. You you're no. comfortable. It. I mean, look at Martin Kaut is 21 this year. Uh, when I was 21, I had no idea what I was doing with my life entirely let alone yeah. trying to make an NHL hockey team. The one thing that I will say in his defense here is that he has been playing pro hockey for years since he was 16 and he the was Czech Republic. Yeah. Exactly. He was playing pro hockey in the, in, in Czech Republic and then got drafted and immediately got dropped into the AHL. Mm-hmm. 
Now, that's a tough road. That's an unproven road in history. We have seen that the guys, the guys who have gone to the AHL as teenagers, it's very hit or miss. Um, whether like the level of success that they achieve, you know, you look at Miko Rantanen, it worked out great. Timothy Lilligren, still waiting on that one, right? It's a, it, it is a, are you okay? Okay. Well, my camera's causing problems, but I see. Okay. Rudo's just gone. We just hear his voice now. Yeah. I'm trying to fix it, but. It's, it's just a, with, with Cout, he, he just needs to continue doing what he's doing. And I think he'll get there. Yeah. It's just that this isn't like, this isn't an Alex Newhook, right? Like he's not so explosive. He's not so high end that you drop him in and you let him figure it out along the way because he can still, he can still contribute to you immediately. He's a guy that he has to be ready to jump in and be more of a role player. And, and that's where he's going to work his way into your lineup. We've talked about him since draft day as a middle six type of guy. Well, well not only is he not Alex Newhook, the abs are not in the same situation they were when they immediately brought Tyson Jost up when they could, yeah. right? The Avs are a much deeper hockey team. They have different goals than simply developing their kids at this point. So it's the situation isn't really comparable to say what the Avs were three years ago when it comes. Definitely. To they're in, they're in a totally different world of development. Um, you know, they're in comparable situations, you know, back then they had Comfort, Kerfoot and Jost all rolling in as rookies at the same time. You know, and okay, let's figure out all these jobs for all these guys. And we'll just, we'll see. There was no downside there. So it's just, you know, now these guys have to understand. There needs to be an understanding from the organization. And this is an area where I think the organization could do a little bit better, uh, is in communicating and saying, hey, this is kind of what our expectations are for you. And I don't think that they do a great job of that. Uh, I think that they have exit interviews and they say individually, this is, you know, we want you to get stronger. We want you to work on this. We want you to work on that. But they they haven't, and, and I am comfortable saying this because they haven't produced, like Tyson Jost is their only role player that they've drafted yeah. and developed. And it's, that was a 10th overall pick. Like he got three years of leash they given to him that these guys like Martin count five games. The, the Tyson Jones got 200. It's no secret that the avalanche organization has struggled to develop role players. Their one big success story on the forward side. There is Logan O'Connor, who was an mm-hmm. undrafted player. Yeah. And they got, and, and look like when they signed him, I was like, this guy's going to the ECHL. Yeah. He was a, he was a, 20 point player in college for him to roll into the AHL and double his production was not something like it's really rare. Well, and, I, I cannot stress enough how like what happened with Ty Lewis is a much more common undrafted guy undrafted type of career yeah, where he sure. has a huge 19 year old season gets a contract 
uh, puts up massive numbers in the CHL and then rolls into pro hockey. And, you know, you don't hear from tries him to carve out an AHL career for himself, basically. Yeah. But and and what's tough about this conversation for me is what we have seen success with for the abs is players like Ryan Graves, who mm-hmm. did not look great in the AHL. But they had him targeted for a, at the time, bottom pairing role in the NHL, and he got into that and it worked. We saw the success with Logan O'Connor because he was producing in the AHL. But take someone like Shane Bowers. You're not expecting him to be close to a point per game player in the AHL, are you? No, you can't. It's not fair to it's not fair to ask that guy to be somebody that he's not. Right. And then roll up and be like, okay. Now we need you to go back. You know, we need you to be a big point producer. And now we need you to go back to being a role player. Yeah. It's... You know, and I'm a big believer that the roles that they prepare you for in the AHL, they should be trying to prepare you for a job in the NHL. Yeah. Now they're got like, in order to improve a bunch of, uh, in order to improve skill, uh, in order to give them more opportunity and ice time and touches and blah, 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 blah. Top six minutes is an important part of that. Like, we're talking about Shane Bowers as a fourth-line center. That doesn't mean I'm saying Shane Bowers should be a fourth-line center in of course, Loveland, but, but he should have a more defensive-oriented type right. of type of role can, in the AHL that prepares him to make a straight-line leap job-to-job. And the same thing is true with Kout because he's always been kind of a floater in their forward core that just sort of fills in the gaps. That's what he does best. I've been fine with his development in the AHL for the most part. He's played well. He's produced points. He's had point streaks. He's looked good. He's a good player. He should absolutely, I for me, it's just a matter of taking what has worked for him in the AHL, translating it to the NHL. I'm, I'm really glad you brought up the point that it's not about the minutes, right? You want Bowers playing top six minutes in the AHL, but totally. let's say you put him on the second line center job. All of a sudden, you start deploying that line in defensive situations. You have yes. a defensive zone faceoff. You put out Shane Bowers. It's late in the game, and they're they're up a goal. You put out Shane Bowers for an offensive zone faceoff to to pin a puck deep. You put him on the penalty kill to give him minutes there. It's about usage, not the minutes. And in getting a player experience in the role that you're targeting him for in the NHL. Absolutely. And I think that's an area where I think they've been fine with Cout. Yep. And that's an area where I've struggled with how they've approached Bowers because they, they moved him off center. They moved him into wing. And now he's, you know, is he back at center? He was the center last night, but he, he was, was a wing when the they went to camp, the rookie, yeah. when they went to the rookie showcase in Arizona because Newhook was there. What's their, what is, what do they envision for him now? Him learning left wing and center gives him more versatility, which in theory should make him more prepared to make a jump, you know, more opportunity to take a jump to the NHL when opportunities arise. But he's got to, you've got to help him. The organization also has to help these guys in roles. Yep. And are we, have we taken our second break? Yes, we're good to okay. go to the finish here. So the other, the other thing that I do want to touch on with these guys um and and this conversation is about we haven't talked about him but everything that we're talking about applies to Sampo Ranta all of this if if Ranta doesn't make the roster and I don't think he's going to he needs to be given a legitimate top 6 role but he has to play an offensive top 6 role he's got to be a guy that you put in offensive situations 
and you let him do his thing. But you do need him to develop his defensive game. So you sprinkle that in there. You do let him do that. He'll do that naturally just because that's how hockey works. It's not like if you take an offensive face off, he never plays defense, you know? Uh, so it's, it's the, the, the other thing though, and, and we saw somebody, I, I missed who it was, but last night commented that, can we please not rush these guys? Bowers has only been a pro for like two years. The problem here is that the AHL is, is a, it is a, midpoint for a guy it is a it is a it is you know you're you're in mario and the first level is world one and the last world is world eight the ahl should be world six world seven it is a it is it is a transition into a bigger role this is the dream of the ahl being a purely developmental league that aj and i would love to see it become is something they're slowly working toward but it's still it's still a dream at this point right now the ahl is a league built for players to come in Mm -hmm. get their feet into professional hockey understand the the pace and physicality spend one two maybe three years there and then look to move on there are always going to be exceptions guys who spend four five or six but they are the outlier for sure definitely like you look at you look at a devon taves or a pa parento four full years in the AHL before they be, before they really broke out in the league. Those guys are big time exceptions. Ryan Graves, big time exceptions. Yeah. Because if you I am a big believer that if you put a guy in the AHL for too long, he becomes an AHL player. Yep. He stops pushing himself to get better and he becomes comfortable in the AHL. And you don't want a guy comfortable in the AHL. You want a guy that's improving, a guy that's pushing a guy that because when you get comfortable, you just don't work the same way. You want a guy, and, and when you spend too much time there, that's a natural thing. You just get comfortable. You want a guy to make an adjustment, but it, this is a stopping point. You know, this is a this is a a stepping stone. That's what I'm trying to say. It is a stepping stone. It and, is not. It is not. It is not an area for them to just wait. For several years you go to you go to college especially this is especially true for for college players yep. you go to college for multiple years when you get into pro hockey you're supposed to be ready you're 21 22 and yeah the ahl it's, and it's one or two years and then let's go this is why we talk about bowers like time is running out because he yep. doesn't have two more years to continue to do this when you run out of waiver eligibility, and I think this is the last year that Bowers has it, correct? the entire league has a shot at, at getting that guy on waivers. And if he's any good, they pick him up. And if he's not, then they don't. And you end up with AJ Greer. You end up with AHL players. Yep. And so you need to aggressively promote. And no, to answer Daniel's question, I don't think Couch has spent too much time there. You think about the time that he has spent and look Bowers also had like a disaster last year. He was incredibly unlucky Two, there... he has to, he has to sit out because of COVID t- on two different occasions in which it was false positive contact tracing. I, and a I friend of a friend before, but context matters here. Martin Kaut was an 18 year old kid whose first year here was just adjusting to North American life. Right these guys that come over from Europe, it's a big culture shock thing for them. There's a lot of off ice, other things that they are adjusting to when they come over big time. 
Shane Bowers, who has lived in North America his entire life, already knows the drill. Shane Bowers left home when he was 16. Yep. 15, sorry, 15, to go play in the USHL. Like, he left. And Shane Bowers, you, I don't know if people remember this or know this, but he was a star talent in Nova Scotia. Too, yeah. Growing up. Like, he was, he was a top pick in the Q draft. He was expected to be a big-time guy coming out of Nova Scotia, coming out of and, and going into the queue. He chose a different path. He left home. He went to the USHL. He wanted to play college hockey. He did all of that. He put himself on a path that should have been a quicker development track. That it's taken longer has been a mild disappointment. But where he is right now, seeing how it's worked out for him, it's not over for him. If he spends the entire year in the AHL and doesn't get a single NHL look, you do have to realistically wonder, is it ever going to happen? But given the kind of preseason he's had to this point, he's put himself in a good position. And it still may not be enough just because he's got guys who have developed faster ahead of him. Martin Cout is one of them. Sample Ranta is a freight train, not that, just that not just on skates. Has but been on the royal road of development paths for real. Like you look at you look at the Bowers and 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 Ranta both went to college and look at their development tracks. Bowers was okay in his college career; it was encouraging, but it wasn't overwhelming. And then he got to the pros, and it was okay. Like it, it's been it's been like a slow burn every step of the way for him. And with Ranta, he got to college. His his freshman year was it was solid. You were you had no complaints. It wasn't like Ryder Ralston where you're like, holy crap, this guy might be bad. It was it was like this is encouraging. And then his second year was really good. And then his third year, he kicked ass. It's been it a was, linear yes, graph upward for this. for Ranta. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He has he consistently got better every single year the way that you would expect. The same way that I think Cout has in the AHL. He's got he got more consistent. He got he got more opportunity. He played with better players. He played better. He was yep. better. He's better prepared now for the NHL than he was a year ago. I feel a lot better about Cout today than I did a year ago. And I liked him a year ago. So it's development, man. It's our favorite yep. thing to talk about. We we always end it's, up in it some way or it's another. It's hard. It's hard to do, but it's this is as in a in a training camp setting. This is where all of that development has to pay off. It has to mean something. It has to be. It has to be them translating. It's like the the organization and the staff and all this all this work that they've that that, that has gone into these guys and their careers. This is when they have to prove that it's been meaningful. I don't. I think you can't say it any any better than Bednar did about Martin Kaut. This training camp, he says. The game is starting to slow down for Cout. He's starting to play at the pace of an NHL player. And that's that's what all the development is working toward. Yep. The skills of the player are going to be what they're going to be. Look, they'll work on things. Things will improve as they go on. But you have to be able to play the game at an NHL level in, in every, almost every category, right? It doesn't matter if you are the greatest shooter in the world. If you can't skate, you're not going to make it. Unless you can skate to the floor level of the of an NHL player. Yeah. 
I mean, a great ex- my favorite example of this is Ryan O'Reilly, or Ryan O'Reilly yep. who would have been a mid-first-round pick, if not higher, had he been able to skate at all in junior. Yep. But he had a bad stride, and he was not a good skater. And look at the career he's had. He's also like got a legendary work ethic, and he's a dream in that in that regard, that he's a guy that just attacks his own weaknesses constantly. That's hard to find. Well, and and that's that's the reality of development. Sampo Ranta, you're not asking him to become a great defender. You're asking him to be a serviceable defender. Yeah. You're asking him to work on his defensive game so that coaches are comfortable putting him on the ice. Right. And that he's not going to cost them goals every time he's out there. You know, yep. that a coach doesn't throw him over the bench. And that sounded <laughs> violent. A coach doesn't <laughs> toss his line onto the bench. And you know yeah all of a he sudden, white knuckles it the entire time because right. he's like good god i have no idea how this is gonna go that is that is the thing that coaches don't do right they will take jason magna nine yep. times out of ten over the rookie that might cost them defensively yep so that's the reality is for a lot of these guys especially the role player types development doesn't come in leaps and bounds it comes in little increments so yeah it That's... just has felt like a really long time, but Martin Cow was a 2018 first rounder. Yep. That's it. Like, it's this is about the time that it should be happening for him. Yeah. It... The fact that the team got just got, like, took a huge leap in front of him, probably a little bit of bad luck. If the abs, if the abs were still that ninety point team fighting for the postseason, he probably is a full time NHLer by now. But yep. you look at you look at last year's roster between Sod and Donskoy in that forward core, and JT Comfer. If Matt Calvert and Pierre Edward Belmar are healthy, JT Comfer was a scratch. Like it was deep. Yeah, that was a really deep team. And, and not only that, but last year's you know the chaos of a taxi squad and so. Uh, just one really quick note, and then I, we can start to really wrap this up. But really quick note, the NHL did send out its transition rules or whatever today. Included yep. in there was the opportunity for them to come to an agreement on another taxi squad. Yep. That doesn't mean that it will be implemented or one that is on the way. But it said if the two sides, the meaning the NHL and the NHLPA, can come to an agreement, taxi squad might be a thing that we see again this year, which would really explain... Colorado's goaltending. Yep. And you why they run a third goaltender it. there. Yeah. Yep. And why they approached the goaltending the way that they did. And how much does a, a taxi squad help them this year? Even if it's like a four person one, yep. help them, you know, Martin Cout is in practice every day right. in, the NH- the in the NHL. NHL reps on the practice side at very mm-hmm. least. And yeah, I, I, I really do think a, a some kind of taxi squad would benefit the abs heavily, but. That's uh, to be determined, I suppose, at this point. Though it's not off the table entirely. So we'll have to see if that one pans out. Um, honestly, personally, I love the idea of a taxi squad permanently. Not Me too. Just, not as just it's... like an emergency thing. I think it's, I think the, well, Eric says, what agreement would there have to be to get to, to, to a taxi squad? They would both have to want one. The NHL and NHLPA would have to agree yeah. on wanting one. They would just have to say, hey, is this something that we both want? Okay, what does it look like? Does it look like last year's? Is it more restricted? You know, is it smaller than last year? Because we aren't expecting as many COVID-related issues and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, and always it's always money. But last year, those guys I think made their AHL NH- salaries. I thought they made NHL if they were on the taxi squad, but it might have been. It. Um, but yeah, no, I think for the AHL to continue to be a development league, a taxi squad's a good idea. I like it, man. I think it's great because it's hard for these guys. They get called up and then they go and they sit on the bench and blah, 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 blah. That And that's the real concern is that the taxi squad stagnates sudden, guys. They get them out of games. played a hockey game in four months or something. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what you don't want is that they teams is that teams use them and rotate them and they don't have a guy that just sits there for three weeks and is like, well, he's on the taxi squad. Well, that's and bad. You can, you, things get really weird too, right? Because if you're up against the cap, do you run a 20 man roster with four dudes on the taxi squad every day? Or I mean, there's lots of ways that you could try and dance around it, but I don't think that those are. That's As the kind impactful, of the, yeah. well, that's the kind of cap circumvention that doesn't bother me. The NHL has just decided is fine. Like that's that's one. The LTIR stuff annoys me because <laughs> um, it's it's exploitative and like. You just have like team like guys that just aren't even part of teams are like Brent Seabrook got traded, yeah, specifically for this reason. Yeah, like he's in Tampa Bay now. Stuff gets weird there, but that's a that's a conversation for another day. We're gonna get yeah. out of here on this one. Oh God, it's the it's the thrashing yes. apple. <laughs> Love it. That thing's gonna haunt your dreams, chat. I guarantee it. It's uh, it's terrifying in every way. Uh, I hope you like it. I spend time making it. Dude, it's ing- I want this as a tattoo. <laughs> it's just so perfect. Uh, all right. Well, go buy some Mountain Dew, apparently. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, probably with the normal podcast. As far as we know, there is no broadcast of the Avs game tomorrow night. Um. We'll see. We'll play it by ear. We'll leave it. That yeah, way. we're we're figuring out what to do tomorrow, depending on if we get to see the game or not. Yep. It's really hard to do a post game pod that nobody sees. Yep. So we'll see. Either way, we'll definitely be talking to you tomorrow. So on that note, let's get this terrifying apple off of the screen and we will talk to you guys later.